You guys can go ahead and grab your Bibles, please, and open up to Ephesians chapter 6. Grab your Bibles and open up to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, as you do that, uh, I want to share a story with you. Some of you may have heard this story before. Uh, this was a couple years ago, and uh, we have two kids, as I mentioned earlier, Asher and Everly. Asher's five, Everly's three. Uh, but a few years ago, Everly was like just starting to talk, just kind of getting her life together. She still has some work to do. Um, but we were sitting down outside on the stairs together, and uh, she grabbed me. I mean, she just grabbed me right underneath my arm like this. And she pulled me in, and she looked me right in the eyes. And she goes, hey, listen to me. And then she said, obey. And I said, Evie, sweetheart, who's in charge? She looks at me, and she goes, Asher. <laughs> she still has some work to do, but it's getting clearer for her. Uh, she was very, very confused as to the way that the world works, and uh, we're continuing to work through that. Hey, uh, last week we talked about marriage. How awesome was that for you guys? Right? Especially sixth grade boys were just eating that up. Uh, good. Hey, what we saw though. And what we talked about was this reality that submission is absolutely essential to the Christian life. In fact, we cannot be Christians unless we submit. Uh, it's the only way that we can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is if we submit ourselves to his lordship and we submit ourselves to the truth of his word. So if we just deny his word, if we deny the truth that we're sinners desperately in need of God's grace to rescue us from our sin, then we cannot enter into a relationship with God. So submission is absolutely essential to the Christian life. Uh, the Christian life is a life of, of submission. We no longer live according to our own will. We no longer live according to our own wants or our own desires. And over time as we continue to draw near to the Lord and put sinful desires to death, we begin to have new desires and it's easier and easier for us to bring our will into submission to God's will. Uh, last week, we looked specifically at the relationship between a husband and a wife. Uh, the relationship, remember, is a picture. It's a picture of the love that Christ has for his church, that when Paul says in Ephesians 5, this is a profound mystery, that is marriage, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church, what he's saying is the whole idea, the whole concept, the whole relationship ever since God created it in Genesis chapter 2 had this one purpose behind all of the other purposes that it serves, and it was to point ultimately to the love that Christ has for his bride, the church. We saw that in this relationship, as the wife is acting out her part in the drama, her role is a role of submission. Uh, we defined that last week as freely and responsibly following her husband's loving leadership. So we, as the church, as we submit to God, we freely and responsibly, and it's, by the way, always responsible to follow God's loving leadership in our lives. Uh, as the bride of Christ, this is what we do. This is what it looks like for us to walk in submission to Christ. 
Uh, Our passage for tonight outlines two other kinds of relationships where submission is absolutely essential. So look in your text real fast. You see there in Ephesians 5.21, it says, uh, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then this broad heading, this kind of main category of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is then developed in these three relationships. Last week, marriage. Tonight, two other relationships. And what I want us to see tonight is how the Lord in wisdom and in kindness has designed these two relationships, uh, not only for our good now, but for our ultimate and eternal good. So uh, look at Ephesians chapter six. We'll read verses one through nine together. Uh, It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Two relationships. Uh, The first relationship is parents with their children. Uh, How many of you in here are children and have parents? That's good, right? Right? I I knew we'd have pretty high participation on that one. Uh, All of us fall into that category. So this is speaking to every single one of us specifically here. Uh, After discussing marriage, Paul goes on to talk about this other unique family relationship and how children are to interact with their parents. And just in three verses, he details how we as children can live to the praise of God's glory as we interact with our parents. Uh, So for us as children, there are two calls, obey and honor, obey and honor. Uh, Let's talk about obey first. Because of sin, we are all born with a natural inclination to fight for what we want, when we want it, how we want it, for whatever reason it is that we want it. Uh, I did not have to teach my kids to say no. They figured that out all on their own, right? Like we're born with a will, with these desires that we want, and we're willing to do whatever it takes in order to get that desire or to satisfy that craving. And if we don't get it, then we respond in a certain way where like when you're three years old, you throw yourself on the floor and scream and cry and yell, and it becomes less socially acceptable, uh, though some of us still do that, uh, I'm sure from time to time. Uh, But... We respond in a certain way because we don't have those desires fulfilled. Uh, We are naturally bent towards Burger King's slogan, right? Have it your way, right? Uh, That's the way that we are naturally inclined to go about this life. I want it how I want it, when I want it, for whatever reason I want it. Uh, Anything that enhances my individual liberty to do as I please is good, And anything that hinders me or limits me 
and my ability to do as I please is bad. This is the way that we think naturally. And right into the middle of this heart reality, these words are spoken. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I must obey my parents. Really good news tonight, right? How many of you guys are cranked up about obeying mommy and daddy? Uh, Yes, good. Some clapping, some cheering, some excitement. Uh, Think about this, though. Think about how loving this is of the Lord to design this relationship with parents and their children. Uh, For the most part, and I do recognize that there are many very, very sad realities, but oftentimes parents genuinely love their children. And when parents are seeking to be faithful to the Lord, they are trying to do everything that they can that is in their children's best interest. It doesn't always seem that way. It doesn't always feel that way. And they don't get it right 100% of the time. But oftentimes, most often, parents that are seeking to be faithful to the Lord are trying to love their, their kids well. Because they want what's best for them, they teach them, they train them, they help them learn which way is the good way for them to go. The way that God designed this relationship is a very, very good gift. Submissive obedience to loving parents is a kindness of the Lord. We don't always view it that way. More often we view it as an annoyance, as a hindrance, as a frustration, as a it's not fair, or as an I don't understand. It's a kindness of the Lord. Not only do a lot of parents love their children very well, uh, but most parents know more than their children. This is certainly the case in the younger years, and it's usually the case even as you guys are approaching the different stages that you're approaching right now, even seniors getting ready to go to college. Uh, It's usually youthful arrogance that leads children to believe that their parents know very little and that they know much more than their parents. Uh, I certainly remember how stupid I thought my parents were and how intelligent I always looked upon myself uh, at that time. And um, there were a lot of relationships, not just with my parents, but other relationships where youthful arrogance, thinking that I knew without even having the experience or not even knowing what I didn't know kind of thing, um, where I, it impacted a lot of relationships and have since had to go and seek forgiveness and reconciliation from some of those relationships. Uh, again, this is a great kindness of the Lord that he would so design this relationship where the one with more knowledge and wisdom is in a position of authority to be able to guide and direct and counsel and teach and help the one that they love. Children... Learn the discipline of submission early. At least that's the goal, right? So think about this. If a person must submit to the lordship of Christ in order to enjoy God forever and have uh, eternal life and salvation of their soul, then they must learn submission. How kind of the Lord to design this relationship between parents and children where the very first thing that that children are learning 
is submission. It's a training of the heart and the mind in the child to come underneath someone else's will, to die to their self. In a sense, it's preparing them to learn a kind of submission that will be necessary for them to enter into relationship with the Lord. This kind of submission between parents and children is beginning to train children early how they must repent of their sin and their own will that is bent in a direction other than the Lord and submit to the Lordship of Christ and trust in Him alone. Uh, In many circumstances, children are submitting to the loving and knowledgeable leadership of their parents by obeying them. Uh, This models the relationship that God has with his beloved children. So how do we obey, right? It's a quick verse. It's right there. Uh, How do we obey our parents? Uh, We teach our kids this little thing right here. We learned it from someone else here in our church family. Uh, We obey uh, all the way, right away, and with a happy heart. All the way, right away, and with a happy heart. So we're going to break that down here for just a minute. Okay, I must obey all the way. This means that we do what is being asked of us with excellence and with completeness. With excellence and with completeness. Uh, So, hey, uh, would you please pick up that trash, son, and throw it away? Grab one piece of trash, leave six other pieces of trash. Not quite obeying all the way, right? Hey, would you go clean up your room? Well, it's mostly clean, right? Like there's some stuff still scattered around, but I'm still playing with that. But that's not what I asked, right? All the way is this completeness. It's with this excellence kind of reality. Here's a situation where the stakes were a little bit higher. Uh, We don't have to turn there now, but you can mark it down to look at later. 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul had just recently become the first king of the nation of Israel and he's going out to war and God had commanded him to completely destroy the Amalekites, this other people. In verse 3, he says, now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. It's a pretty intense command of the Lord. Um, So the battle rages on, and then six verses later, we read in verse 9, but Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fattened calves, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. So God gave them a very specific command, destroy, wipe out, take away, obliterate this entire nation, do not leave anyone. And Saul and his men decide to leave the king alive and to take some of the best animals and the best things and keep them for themselves. Verses 10 through 11, the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me. And has not performed my commandments. Saul is rejected as king because of his incomplete obedience. 
Now you look at it and say, well, what was God's purpose in telling him to wipe out the Amalekites? It was just so that his people would be safe and they could be done with them and wouldn't have to worry about it. And really just leaving one guy alive and keeping the animals. And Saul later says like, we were gonna sacrifice them to you. We had a good reason why we chose to obey with incompleteness. And because of that, he's rejected as being king and the Lord regrets that he ever made him king. Uh, Friends, Obedience must be an all-the-way kind of obedience. This is the kind of obedience that the Lord expects from you and I, and not because he's a mean, taxing, angry God, but because he loves us so very much. And he knows that incomplete obedience can have just as many damaging consequences as flagrant disobedience. And so when we're called to obey our parents, we're to obey in the same manner in which we obey the Lord, and that's within all the way kind of obedience. It's not part way. It's an all the way kind of obedience. Second, I must obey right away. I must obey right away. Uh, Luke chapter 9 Jesus is uh, going about with his disciples and one individual comes up to him and says, Lord, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, hey, look, foxes have holes in the ground and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And then Jesus invites two other guys. He says, hey, come follow me. And the first guy says, Lord, I'll come, but first let me go and bury my parents. The second guy says, yeah, but first let me go and sell my field. And Jesus says, hey, look, anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. These two individuals that he interacts with, that he invites, that he commands, come, follow me, they don't respond to that command right away. Instead, they say, but I have some other things that I was wanting to do first. But I have some other things that I really needed to get done before I do what you're asking me to do. And because of that, Jesus says they're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is helpful in understanding that the kind of obedience that we must have towards our parents and to the Lord is a right away kind of obedience. Uh, It can be really, really easy to say, yeah, I'll get it in like a minute, right? Yeah, first let me just finish my show, then I'll... I mean, there are a thousand different things that we can insert before it's like, hey, whoa, wait a minute. The one who God Almighty sovereignly put in a position of authority over me has just issued a command, hopefully lovingly and gently. How am I going to respond to that? Am I going to respond to that in a way that demonstrates that I recognize this relationship and I'm walking in submission in this relationship? Or am I going to treat that relationship like I'm equal in authority? And it's like, good suggestion. I'll get to it when I get to it. Thanks so much. Appreciate you putting that out there, right? The kind of obedience that the Lord calls us to is an all-the-way kind of obedience, and it's a right-away kind of obedience. Third, I must obey with a happy heart. I must obey with a happy heart. I know that this sounds like a very childish way of phrasing it for you here this evening, but I think it's a really helpful way of picturing how our obedience should look. There's a difference between compliance and obedience. There's a difference between compliance and obedience. Compliance is external. It's, uh, 
I think Doug shared a story at one point of somebody in his class, or maybe it was him, I don't know, but the teacher said, uh, please stand up. And they said, well, I'm sitting down in my heart. And they stood up next to their desk. Uh, that's compliance, right? It's not an obedience that comes from the heart. It's an external, sure, I'll do whatever you want. You think you're so great, don't you? Um, yeah, I bet you think this is a good idea, whatever. Uh, that kind of heart attitude, or it's a kind of heart attitude that's grumbling and complaining. Where it's like, oh, do I have to? I don't want to. Can't I just instead? We're called to obey with happy hearts. Not just trying to turn away from fear of punishment or seeking external reward, but an obedience from the heart is what Romans 6.17 calls it. It says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. That's Romans 6.17. In obedience from the heart. It's a kind of obedience that has faith in the one who is issuing the command and knowing that it's coming from one who loves us deeply. And that the reason that they should be issuing that command is ultimately for our good with our best interest in mind. It's a joyful submission, recognizing that the one who is issuing the command is wiser and is acting in love or simply that God has placed this person sovereignly in a position of authority over me. And so I get to walk in that submission. So children, all of us in this room, obey your parents all the way, right away, and with a happy heart. The verse goes on to say, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, in the Lord. This is the kind of obedience, it's, it's recognizing that my obedience isn't just simply doing what mom and dad want me to do, but it's ultimately an obedience to God Almighty, who's placed them in that position of authority in my life. And so in obeying my parents, I'm bringing glory to God. So just think about that. The next time that you have the opportunity to choose obedience or disobedience, the stakes are pretty high. It's either like God, I don't trust your sovereignty and your almighty power in putting this person that I call mom or dad in control over me. I think it was a bad idea, and so instead I'm going to do this. Or on the other end, there can be an obedience all the way right away and with a happy heart that not only makes your parents' hearts very happy, but also brings much glory to God. So, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Look at verse two. Verse two continues, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I must obey my parents. I must honor my parents. Uh, this quotation here is coming from Exodus chapter 20 and from Deuteronomy chapter five in the 10 commandments. This whole idea of honoring is very similar to what we saw last week in the relationship between a husband and wife, where the wife is to respect her husband, so children are to honor their parents. It's a recognition of their God-given role and an acknowledgement of their position as parents. It is a recognition of their God-given role in your life and an acknowledgement 
of their position as your parents. It's a certain kind of attitude towards them. It's a, an attitude towards them that results in a receptiveness to hear from them and to learn from them. Children should always honor their parents. But hear this, but they only have to obey their parents when they're living under their authority. Children must always honor their parents, but we must only obey our parents when we are living under their authority. There comes a point in time when children leave their father and mother. Uh, I struggled with this a ton this week because, sorry, I just hit my microphone and we're back. I struggled with this a ton this week uh, because I've always heard this whole concept of children obey your parents while you're under their authority. And then uh, when it comes to the time when you're outside of their authority, you no longer have to obey, but you still have to honor. And I'm like, where does it say that? How do I understand that in the text? It seems right. It feels right. It looks right. I've seen it work well, but just because it feels right, seems right, looks right, feels right, works well, doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. That's not the way that we think about truth. And so uh, this week, a lot of my studying for this was like, where can I find that? Where is that in the text? Here's uh, the best place that I was able to see this. Uh, We looked at it last week. It's there in uh, Ephesians chapter five in this whole concept of, uh, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Okay, so there's this biblical concept of a man leaving his father and mother, and in that text, it's explicit in marriage, and yet I think that that same principle, that same concept can apply to those who are not yet married, and there does come a time when we leave our father and mother. Uh, At what point in time do we leave our father and mother? Uh, That's up for debate, and uh, I would encourage you not to make that decision on your own. Some of you are like... I'm 12 years old, I sleep upstairs instead of downstairs. Pretty much left mom and dad. I'm in control now. Um, that's a bad idea, don't do that. Um, here's what I would argue. Uh, I would say that it's at whatever point you are no longer dependent upon mom and dad for anything other than a loving relationship. So some of you are getting ready to go off to college and you're thinking to yourself, freedom, right? <laughs> I don't have to do what you say anymore. Well, if mommy and daddy are paying for your college bills, you might reconsider. (laughs) Um, Because at any point, here's the way I intend to think about it as a parent. Um, Katie and I haven't talked about this yet, but I think she agrees. Maybe, (laughs) she's like, we'll see. Uh, But at any, if if my kids wanna say, hey, I don't wanna submit to you there, but I still wanna depend on you here, uh, it, it doesn't really work anymore. And so it's at what point are they submissive entirely? And at whatever point they wanna say, I don't wanna do what you say here, but I guess I can do it here. Uh, It doesn't make sense anymore. So that for me is what I would argue. That's the time when somebody leaves mother and father. It's when they're no longer dependent upon them for anything other than a loving, healthy relationship. So uh, just be thoughtful of that. Uh, As you enter into different seasons of life, you don't always have to obey you always have to honor. Don't start disobeying too early, okay? Um, all right, I spent way more time on that than I wanted to, but there we are. Uh, so, uh, 
Children always honoring their parents, only obeying when they're living under their authority. This relationship has been designed to teach submission early, as we said earlier. If a child cannot submit to the authority of their parents, it will be nearly impossible for them to learn to submit to the authority of God. If a child cannot learn to submit to their parents' authority, they will not be able to submit to God's authority. So just as in marriage, there's this relationship where a wife is called to submit to the loving leadership of her husband, so it is with children and parents called to submit to the loving leadership of their parents. And each one of these are designed in a beautiful way. Look at verse four, he continues. Verse four, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, Children don't just have a certain call and there's like these expectations, but there's also an expectation for how parents are supposed to be relating with their children. Uh, Parenthood is probably a little bit further off for most of us here in the room, so we're not gonna spend a ton of time on this. Uh, But the main point is, just as husbands have a role with their wives to love them, to be self-sacrificing for them, and that makes their submission joyful and good and right, so it is with parents and their children. When children are submitting to the loving leadership of their parents, it's the way that God has designed it. What if my parents are provoking me and are exasperating me and aren't being obedient to what God's word says? Do I still have to obey them then? Yes, as long as they're not calling you to do anything that would be disobedient to the Lord. God's designed this relationship, like marriage, to help us learn submission. Much more could be said, but we're going to continue. Verses 5 through 9. Kind of switching gears here from children and parents to this last relationship that Paul develops. It says, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Uh, this whole concept of bond servants and masters is uh, something that would be way more akin to like employers and employees. Uh, how many of you guys are currently employed, have a job where you get a paycheck and everything? Awesome. Um, good for you. That's fantastic. Uh, so you guys already right now have this understanding where, hey, there's this relationship that exists between my boss and me. And like, if the boss says something, I got to do it. Uh, I think we all probably recognize at this point, unless you've been employed for like a day, uh, sometimes you're going to serve under leadership that is absolutely fantastic. Other times, you're going to serve under leadership that is absolutely horrific. And you are never going to agree 100% with those who are responsible and in charge of you in whatever job that you're working in. So there will always be, unless you are the boss, the employer, there will always be an element of submission. And I would argue that bosses should also have that, um, but that's another conversation for another time. Uh, But uh, we should understand this relationship that God has designed between us as those who work in a way to please the Lord, as we're serving other individuals with whom we work. Uh, In whatever role that the Lord brings you into, there will be opportunity 
for submission. So first, I must submit with a sincere heart. Submitting to this authority with a sincere heart. It says here in the text, not giving eye service, not just an external kind of obedience that has the appearance of obedience, but again, a genuine from the heart kind of obedience. It's a similar kind of obedience to the way in which we obey the Lord. It says here in the text that we're not just working hard when we're being watched, right? Just giving eye service and then lazing off when no one is looking. But it's a sincere heart that genuinely wants to seek the good of the individual and the organization. To be an employee of excellence as unto the Lord. Not just skating by, not just getting away with whatever we can, the bare minimum, but doing excellently to the praise of God's glory. That's the second blank there. I must work as to the Lord. As to the Lord. In everything that I do when I'm at work, I'm ultimately doing it before the face of God. In everything that I do in life, I'm ultimately doing it before the face of God. And it's not just true for me because I'm a pastor. It's true for everyone everywhere who's working for an employer and is serving in that capacity. It is a kind of work that is a before the Lord kind of work. And ultimately, I recognize that I'm not just serving my employer, but behind my employer is God. And my service that I'm rendering there is ultimately service that I render unto the Lord. Not just because I want to please people, not for some kind of external reward, but because I want to please God and bring praise and glory to him through my work. Marriage, children and parents, employer, employee, what we see here is that Christians submit. Christians are a submitting people. You look here up on the screen, uh, what you'll see is in our text, it is a submit And then how do we submit? Because of Christ. In each of these relationships, the text reminds us of the submission that we have to Christ because each of these relationships, if you think about it, patterns our relationship with Christ. In marriage, it's explicit. He is the groom, we are the bride. We as the bride submit to our groom. In the relationship between children and parents, it's the same reality. God is our heavenly father and we are his beloved children and we're called to submit. As bond servants and masters, God is our master, we are his servant. And so each of these three relationships designed by God to demonstrate that Christians are a submitting people and that's different than the world because the world is all about uh, self-assertion, putting myself forward, getting what I want when I want it. And we as followers of Jesus Christ learn submission early. We practice submission faithfully and it's ultimately a submission that's unto the Lord. Christians are a submitting people. And in a culture that's all about self-determination where no one wants to submit to anyone, where we think that anything that enhances my individual liberty to do as I please is good, and anything that hinders or impedes my ability to do as I want is bad. This is something that marks us out as people that live to the praise of God's glory.
So Father, I pray that you would help us to be a people that is humble in heart. Father, as children with our parents, would we be humble in recognizing that they are very good gifts that you have given to us for our good. And Father, I pray for those in this room that have parents that are wise and loving. God, that you would help them to submit joyfully to their authority and leadership in their lives. Father, I pray for students in this room that have parents that don't love you or make life very, very difficult for them. God, I pray that you would give them perseverance, that you would give them supernatural ability to submit to that kind of leadership in their lives, recognizing that it's submitting unto you ultimately. Father, I thank you that you've given us these kinds of relationships to learn submission. God, I pray that you would help us to be that kind of people. God, that you would be praised through our submission. God, that you would be glorified, that the truth of your word and the kind of people that you call us to be would be something that is glorious and beautiful and compelling. And that at the end of all of our submission to all of the authority that you sovereignly placed in our lives, that we would do it in such a way, recognizing that you are good and faithful and to be trusted. God, help us to be a submitting people to the praise of your glory. In Christ's name, amen.